It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Good morning and welcome to my show. Today, my guest is Todd Schnick, founder and CEO of Intrepid Now Media, a burgeoning media empire, right? I'm happy for you to say that, Andy, yes. <laughs> and uh, so, Todd, rather than have me introduce you, why don't you take a minute, introduce yourself to the audience, tell us what you do and who you do it for. Yeah, well, Andy, uh, thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. I'm a marketing, sales, and media strategist, if you will. I do some talk radio hosting and producing, and I also publish, as you said, Intrepid Now, which is a media platform that publishes interviews and articles on business, healthcare, and lifestyle. And uh, we work with our clients and sponsors to strategically create media that they can, and that's either audio, video, or both. And, and uh, we, with that, we achieve, help them achieve three things. One is that we create content that educates and moves their market, and they can integrate that content into their sales and marketing flow. Uh, uh, we facilitate an environment uh, where our, our uh, sponsors can connect to prospects. So it's a, it's a bold, new, interesting way to, to achieve business development. And obviously, the final piece of what we do is we help our clients connect to influencers in their market vertical, which is a great way for them to, to expand and grow their business. Well, tell us what you do in terms of the business development. That was interesting. Yeah, well, you know, I uh, stumbled upon a strategy several years ago. I was doing a podcast and I had no strategy, no no real objective with it. It was just something I was experimenting with. This is probably dates back to 2008, 2009 timeframe. And I was doing some consulting at the time. Uh, if you recall the time frame, 2008, the economy was really struggling. So there were a lot of people out of work and, and a lot of them tried to, to earn a living by going into consulting. And so I, I started consulting consultants and stumbled upon this, this strategy where we used this podcast we were messing around with and we started inviting all these consultants onto our show as a way to kind of shine a light on what they were trying to do and, and go into market as a, as a consultant themselves and, and, and to give them a vehicle by which they could they could tell their story and ex get exposure out into a, to a wider world. And, and inviting all these consultants onto our show, uh, these all turned out to be prospects for us. And, and getting that FaceTime on the, on the podcast with them was, was a great way for a very non-threatening, very easy way for us to get a lot of attention, a lot of attention of people who were, who were business prospects for us. And so it worked and, and suddenly we have more business than we can handle. And so we thought, boy, there's got to be a way to leverage this same idea, this same model and help other people leverage a podcast as a business development strategy. And so that's when we formed a company and, and, Gosh, uh, seven, eight years later, we're, we're still going strong and having a great time doing it. Uh, how that manifests itself is it's a very simple model, actually, Andy. I mean, if you, were, if you host a radio show or a podcast in whatever, whatever space or vertical you're in, whether it's business or, or consulting or, or healthcare technology or whatever it is, you host this show and you identify organizations that you want to connect with and, and market to them. And, and so instead of doing a cold call, trying to get their attention and pitching them, uh, I, I, what I do instead is I, I invite them onto my show well, and I, and I get, 
and I get to, and I get to know them. Uh, they're, they're happy to talk to me because it's a great way for them to get exposure. And and once that interview's done, I formed a new friend. Right, I have a relationship now. All the books say you got to develop rapport. Well, there's no better way to do that than to interview someone on a radio show. And so once that conversation's done, my relationship with them is at an entirely different level. And now it's so much easier to transition into the real conversation I want to have, which is a business development one. Right. So that, so we do a lot of regular shows. This, the, 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 well, the biggest I think, way- I think that's just a great piece of advice for people that are listening that if you want to, a great business development tip, right, is use a podcast because people, that's a great way to create content, as you said, in general, but then invite people that you want to be prospects as guests to the show. I mean, it's a fantastic idea. And I think for people who are listening, something they should take note of for sure. Yeah, well, that's the only way I go to market now, Andy. I've been doing it that way for, for seven, eight years. Oh, perfect. I love it. So I want to sort of change gears. I want to, you know, we obviously would theme of the show is we're talking about sales, marketing, acceleration. And so to sort of change it up a little bit. I want to talk about politics, sort of. Uh-huh. So the you, third the third rail of the podcast. <laughs> the third rail of podcasting, <laughs> politics. But you were in politics for a long time, right? Oh yeah, have uh, probably a probably a ten to fifteen year career in in politics All before right. I got into uh, into business. And you were you weren't the candidate, you weren't the office holder, you were the person running behind the scenes. So I want to talk about how politics and sales sort of mesh, right? I mean, the lessons we can learn about sales from politics, from selling a candidate, from selling a a platform, and so on. So tell us about the jobs you did in politics first. Well, the uh, first job out of school was as, as an aide to a congressman. So I did that for about three years and ran the district operation. Then I ended up getting into party politics and so worked at the Republican Party of Florida for, oh gosh, probably five years, five, six years. That culminated in uh, working on the uh, Florida presidential race in 2000. Of course, we all know what happened with the Florida hanging, recount. Hanging Chad. Oh, yeah. So it was knee deep in that fact. If you Google me, you'll probably find a lot of my testimony from a lot of those court cases when Al Gore sued me. Uh, but then after Florida, I was there, like I said, I was there for uh, about five years. I went out west and was the executive director of the Nevada Republican Party and then uh, was quickly recruited to Georgia, where I uh, became the the uh, executive director of the Georgia Republican Party and, and uh, uh, had a very successful election there. That was the 2002 election cycle, and that's where we elected uh, the first ever Republican governor in, in Georgia elected the first ever uh, Republican control of the state Senate and also defeated an incumbent uh, Democratic U.S. senator. So we had a very, very good year in 2002. Um, uh, like most selfish young men, I, I uh, uh, chased the money and tried to lobby for a while and, and uh, did not really enjoy that line of work too much and so got into political consulting and uh, then did that for probably five years. But Andy, that's where the transition started happening. Once once I started doing the consulting, I was working with a lot of amazing people doing amazing things and started doing more and more consulting for their for their business. And that's when I got the bug on doing the marketing consulting right. uh, and transitioned out of, out of my political career. So it seems like to me that campaigns, you know, they're relatively short affairs, right? Compared, to, let's say, to the life cycle of a product. Right. So you're really faced with this process of compressing the sales process into a relatively short period of time, right? You might have a three to five month campaign or six month campaign, let's say, including primaries for a state office. Yeah, how do you how do you accelerate that sort of positioning of, of the candidate and establishing a value proposition that you can 
clearly communicate in you know relatively short period of time and also mostly through you know indirect messaging as opposed to out knocking on doors all the time talking to people face to face yeah well gosh andy this is a conversation that could take us four hours i mean it's uh you threw out a whole a whole bunch of stuff there that's that's it's it's a it's funny when i transitioned away from politics people said well you've never been in marketing or you've never been in sales and i was like what do you think i did for 15 years i was selling candidates i was selling ideas i was selling a a message you know so it it uh but you're right there is a there is a tight window i mean all campaigns of course, if you're watching the presidential race for 2016, it, it seemingly is never ending. Right. But uh, but there is a there is an endpoint on the campaign, right? Uh, and so there is an election day, and so there's one day where, where people go and buy or or don't buy, right? So it is a very much a compact system. Now, unfortunately, the the uh, one of the things that a lot of people find distasteful in politics is this is this need to to raise a lot of money right and, and it, people find that very frustrating that that it's all about fundraising well part of the reason you have to do that is that you do have to communicate a message you do have to identify an audience that's going to be receptive to your message and so uh, you, know, you you have you do unfortunately have to raise a lot of money and that's part of the strategy Andy by which you you deal with that press time frame because if you make a decision to run for office well then you have to get up and running very very quickly and there's things you have to do to to to, to run successfully is you have to you have to recruit uh, and identify voters who are going to vote for you on election day which is quote the buyer of your product if you will you have to uh, put a lot of money out there to put out television commercials and send out direct mail uh, to communicate to those voters and and so I mean it's 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 uh, as a uh, it's a frustrating answer to your question because I, w- I wish there was a different way to do well, it. But the fact is, you have to raise a lot of money. That's one of the reasons why these campaigns have to do that is that they have to get a message out there very, very quickly. Well, let's 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 break it down. So, you know, and you're starting with a new product. You're going to have like a, a use case, and around the use case, you're going to build a value proposition for an ideal customer. So, what's what's the process in politics to develop that value proposition? I mean, how do you sit down with the candidate? Do you you test it? I mean, how do you how do you do it? And what are the lessons back for you know small medium sized enterprise that's getting ready to launch a new product? Well, the the first thing you have to understand is all right. Who is who is going to be voting in this particular election? Whether and I'm not talking about a national presidential no, let's election. Just, let's let's talk one, about use one of yours a, a, as an example. Yeah, well, so a race for Congress, right, or for a state legislature, which mm-hmm. is in a confined geographical district. So you have to understand the voters in that district. You have to say, all right, do they lean conservative? Are they are they liberal? Are are there is there a big independent streak where there's more moderate voters there? You have to assess that electorate to really understand what message will resonate with them, right? So if you're in a very liberal district, well, a conservative candidate's probably not going to do very well there. And so you have to make the decision, is this even a worthwhile endeavor? It's no different than if you, all right, is it, does your product have the right market fit? <laughs> I mean, you got it's, it's the same principle there. And so, yeah, a lot of how you do that, Andy, is, is you survey that electorate. You, you know, we're all familiar with, with, with polling. Mm-hmm. And every day we, when we're watching the news, we see the latest polls and all that. Well, yeah, typically the poll you see when you're 
when you're watching the news is a head-to-head. All right, Hillary versus Bush. Uh, uh, where does that stack up? Uh, but what the, the, the main crux, what most of the work done with polling isn't necessarily a head-to-head. A head-to-head matchup on a poll is just a snapshot of where people stand on a race in that time and place. What, you, what the real work of polling does is really drive down deeply into the details of the issues and and what do people care about are are they passionate about these what you know what issues move people what issues are people caring about in this particular election in this particular district uh there's there's 435 districts of in congress every one of them is different in a lot of ways because there's local nuance to to the election so you have to go in there and understand that um and you mentioned knocking on doors i mean there really isn't a better way andy to to get out there and really get your pulse on what's what the people are thinking about than doing that and that's something that i always worked very hard with my campaigns was to get out there and actually interact with that voter polling is great you can get a good sense of of what people are thinking about what they care about but you've really got to look them in the eye shake them shake their hand and that's when you really get to see what 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 people are thinking about and what they're passionate about and so uh, that, that's that's generally how I always got my campaigns going I did a, a very very unfortunately very expensive polling process to really get a quick snapshot of where people stood on the issues what they cared about things they were excited about things they were disappointed in uh, and then once you get that all that all that data back then you can begin to articulate a strategy and figure out all right, how do we communicate this and what by what means do we communicate that and then obviously Part of the pro, you know, the difference between selling a product uh, and selling a candidate is that your candidate's opposing someone, right? And so you have to figure out how do I, how do I, what's the mix of my messaging of pro the issues I care about and what I think the people who are going to vote for me care about versus what are the issues that my opponent uh, is supporting that I can, I can, I can, I can put out a messaging that then says, all right, I don't like this issue because this candidate's supporting it. And so then I'm going to vote for the other guy. And so the, the, every, every decision you make has, has some sort of, uh, of, of impact on, on how people perceive the, the, the opponent. Right. But, you know, take it back to the case of related back to a business, you're coming out with a new product is, or you're thinking about a new product is, you know, there's a sort of, I don't know, bifurcation the way people sort of look at it some people say hey you know if you got a great idea just run with it you know come up with the product then we find the market for it others say hey we need to be doing some research we need to find out if we can really identify like i said the ideal candidate or ideal prospect for this an ideal market for it and so politics is obviously much more the latter than the the former though right right though i imagine though that you probably ran across politicians at some point in your career who were a little bit more of the former that really just had a desire to be in office and perhaps had less of a platform? Yeah, oh, of course. Every election, uh, there is someone who runs. Uh, and, you know, just like you and I occasionally come across a business that has not done its homework and understanding that there's a product market fit, there's a candidate for office who, who runs uh, in, in the district, uh, is not a really good fit for the kinds of things that he or she believes in. Uh, it's the example of a conservative running in a liberal district, right? It's just, it's just not going to work. And and you have to spend a lot of money in the campaign if if the goal is to really try to sway uh, the, the political environment. I, I have always found that the the approach to a successful uh, election victory was was to identify the voters 
who cared about specific messaging, and then I communicate directly, target those voters with messaging from my candidate that is in alignment with how that voter is thinking. Now, it's a lot harder to convince someone to change, right? You're not going to convince a, a conservative to vote for a liberal and vice right. versa. So what I always, the strategy is, I have to find as many conservative voters as I can and, and, and identify them, be sure that they are favorable towards my candidate. And if they're not favorable, then I'm not going to contact them anymore. I may, I may try to decide, are they, is there any ability to convince them to vote for my guy? Uh, but oftentimes that's a lot, that's a lot of work. That's expensive work to, to convince someone to change their mind. So the, the, the real, the real simple math there is identify people who support my candidate and his or her ideas get them on a list and then you know the hard work is then turning them out to vote on election day and if i get one more vote than my opponent then i win right so to that point and we'll talk about more after after the break is how do you handle objections in that environment right and and then the second issue i want to get back to before is is because i i think that similar to way you know new companies you see they succeed is there's they're driven by a passion right somebody's got a passion for what they're doing you know a passion for the product or the market they're serving the service they provide you know, they tend to be the ones that are most successful in the long run. Yeah. And you, you, and you, you need that, you know, I think in politics, you certainly see that right now we see with the, you know, we're talking in 2015 and the, you know, ever burgeoning mass of, of candidates declaring for the Republican nomination. There clearly are some that don't seem to have the passion for, for governance as much as, or for a specific issue as much as just, wanting to be in the, the limelight it seems like right yeah well on the day that we record this uh the 16th candidate for the republican nomination has, has announced so it's it's quite a big field and yeah i mean the, uh having been an observer of politics for a long long time andy i i'm in fact i know probably half the candidates <laughs> that are running uh used to work for jeb bush so uh uh and no marco and all that so and i and i can tell you that a lot of these and I'm obviously much more familiar with the Republican sure. side than I am the Democratic side, and so uh, that's that's not why I'm uh, uh, commenting much on, on on the on the candidates running for the Democratic nomination. It's a different kind of a race. Uh, a lot of them do uh, are very driven to affect change. Uh, they 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 have a passion for the country and they want to to uh, lend their mark on, on affecting positive change and, and, and moving the country forward. Uh, but in, in, certainly in the Republican field, certainly in the Democratic field, at all levels, from president on down to city council, there are people who, who have a passion to be an elected official. They don't, they don't necessarily aren't driven by issues. They aren't driven by affecting policy. They, there are many people who run for office that are just enthralled with the idea of being a, an elected official and like the idea of having a title of congressman or councilman or, or representative. And so there are certainly people who, who run for office who, who, don't, who aren't necessarily motivated by a particular issue. They may have a guiding, a guiding philosophy. They may have a conservative philosophy. Or they may have a, um, a libertarian philosophy. Or they may have a liberal philosophy. I mean, that, that generally informs and governs their position on most issues, but, but they're not necessarily running for office to, because they want to enact a very specific law. Right. Uh, they're they're in it more to 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 be someone to be important to have a position of influence, um, and and maybe their motivation is more to just be a supporter of 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 their philosophy of government. Right, and I'd say that in most cases, if you're starting a business, an entrepreneur, and your primary goal is I want to be rich, 
you know, you're not going to be as successful as you're not going to be successful. Somebody right. that says, you know, I've got a passion for, you know, this particular product or I said serving this particular market and in doing so, you know, they ultimately find a way to. Well, and you have to, yeah. And the, here's the other thing that passion uh, is impacts in politics is you have to recall uh, and you have to understand that come election day, there there is not a 100% participation amongst all eligible voters, right? So there there is unfortunately uh, millions of of Americans who on election day never turn out to vote, and that's frustrating. Uh, and I wish that that wasn't the, the case, uh, but it is the case. And so you have to factor that into into your thinking when you're orchestrating a strategy for a political campaign is because you can assume a, a presidential election is obviously a little bit different because there's more coverage of it and there's more interest in it. But the, lo- the, the more local your race gets, the less interest in the public has in, in participating in that election. And that's that's very much a factor in, in your strategy is, all right, there's probably, in, in some cases, 50 to 60 to sometimes even 70 percent of the electorate is not going to participate in an election. And so you have to figure out who those people are and and not waste your time talking to them. Well, it's the same, it's the same idea in business, right? I mean, you may put out a product, you may put out a service, and it's it's not for everyone, right? And in fact, if you try to make a product that's for everyone, you're probably going to fail because there's just no way that's possible. Uh, it's no different in yeah. politics, so right? Seg- there's, yeah, there's, segmenting your market, very important. Yep. yep. All right. Well, good. We're going to come back after the break and talk more with Todd Schnick about Sales, politics, more sales stuff. And this is Andy Paul. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Andy. Connect and Sell is used by sales reps at nearly a 1,000 companies, including hundreds of technology startups and several Fortune 500 companies, to overcome the challenges of getting prospects on the phone. Companies using Connect and Sell grow their revenues faster by enabling their sales reps to have more sales conversations in 90 minutes than they could otherwise achieve in an entire week. Connect and Sell can be deployed directly to your sales reps, or you can take advantage of their outbound on-demand service, which delivers qualified prospect meetings scheduled directly on your sales reps' calendars. Visit connectandsell.com to learn more about how Connect and Sell can start filling your pipeline today. Welcome back. My guest today is Todd Schnick. You can catch Todd online at intrepidnow.com and learn about the variety of things that he has got going on in his, in his burgeoning media empire. <laughs> and uh, so I did want to get back to one more thing that we had talked about prior to the break, which is, you know, this whole issue of of objections and sort of nurturing uh, prospects, right? Because I mean, you've you're pretty clear stating that hey, we we do fairly in depth research. We identify f- very precisely the types of, of voters, if not the actual voters, that we're going to spend our time trying to convince because we think they're high likelihood to vote, high likelihood to vote for us. You need to do the same in business, right? Absolutely, absolutely. No, it's critical, and, and that's that's work that, that a lot of organizations I've I've come across, Andy, just don't do. They don't do that deep homework. They they assume if I build it, they'll come, and you know, very, very, very rarely does that strategy work. <laughs> so it's it's no different in politics. I mean, so uh, you 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 really do have to to understand what motivates people to get out and vote. You really have to understand what motivates people to go out and buy a product. It's very similar thinking. They're, they're, there's, they're, making, they're making an investment 
in something that they think is important to them, that that is, excites them, that solves a problem for them. Uh, you know, it's, uh, sometimes people vote for candidates because the candidate says, "I'm going to fix some problems." There's, there's, there's our, our city streets need to be paved, and so you will support a local city council candidate uh, who pledges to to pave the streets. I mean, so you 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 make your decisions based on on how it's going to impact your life, and 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 it's the same thinking, the same philosophy that goes into understanding how people buy your product or service. Right, and the point you're making is that. You know, sometimes objections, and this is like sort of one of my things I get up on a, <laughs> my, my, uh, you know, soapbox about is, is, you know, so much effort and written about in sales in terms of overcoming objections. And sometimes objections just aren't meant to be handled, right? So, I mean, you've got some people, that, you know, you can spend as much time as you want and you're just not really ever going to change their mind. So, yeah, you know, Andy, so, it's so a why great do, point. Why do that? Yeah, it's it's a great point. In fact, you've made me think about something that I've never really thought about before, and and it's in my approach to sales, right? I mean, so when you when you are pitching a prospect and you're trying to convince them to buy, and they throw up some sort of a, an objection or concern, and the, the the big question is, all right, how do you tackle that, right? That's that's in essence what you're trying to get at with with, with this with this line of questioning, and and I've always been very quick that if I have to do an awful lot of battling to get someone convinced to vote for my candidate or buy my product or service, I, do, I don't have time to do that. And, and maybe that's, that comes from my political career where, you know, as I said a few minutes ago, a big part of the work you do in a campaign is identifying those that are not going to support you and so that you don't waste time with them. And maybe that's, maybe that's how I, my philosophy towards if, if I'm talking to a prospect and, and there's a lot of objections there and I ascertain that it's going to require a lot of time, perhaps some money and a lot of work to convince them. Otherwise I don't have time to do that. There's a, there's plenty of other quote voters out there that I can identify uh, who who may be supportive of my candidate or of my product, and so I I, I think I, I, you made me think on something here that I've never really thought about. But maybe my my philosophy of being very quick to to move past uh, a prospect who who is who is objecting a lot is, is not someone that I'm going to spend a lot of time with uh, because I, there's plenty of other people out there who who are interested in buying, and I want to spend my time talking to them, helping them. Uh, yeah, I think there's also levels of, of objection. Right? Right? There's someone who says, well, I'm just concerned about one quick thing here and then I can deal with that. But if they're just they're fundamentally dug in and it's it's going to take an awful lot of time uh, to to convince them. Otherwise, I don't have that kind of time. And it's it's you know, I'm I'm never going to convince a liberal Democrat to vote for a conservative candidate. I'm never going to do it. And if I and if I tried to my campaign philosophy was to try to convince every liberal to vote Republican. I would fail miserably, and so uh, I, 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 I think that's a, that's a philosophy that I've always brought into my businesses: is, is that if someone's not necessarily easily going to be on board, that I'm going to move past and, and get on and identify and connect with people who who are more likely buyers. Yeah, it's a big world out there, and you know, so often the training you get in sales training these days is, hey, you know, it's like objections become personal battles, right? It's a personal challenge. <laughs> Somebody's objecting. Gosh darn it, we got to double down and sell harder in order to get this person back into the fold. And really, for people that are listening, it's it's really the opposite. As Todd has said, taking the example from politics, you're just not going to change minds that quickly. If it's something substantive, identify quickly whether it is substantive, move on. 
I said, big world, lots of prospects out there. And Andy, obviously, it, 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 the, the position you take on this is informed by what you're selling, right? And if you're selling a, a, a small consumer product, that's different than, than a giant uh, enterprise complex sale, right? I mean, the, the, there's, a, there's the apples and oranges here, but because uh, a complex sale is is, is – a whole different animal than trying to convince a, a consumer public to to buy product, so you you got to obviously you have to factor that in. So, but yeah, but you're, that, that's that's the that's the point you're, that 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 we're talking about here is this idea that 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 don't dig your heels and don't waste time and money and resources trying to convince someone who's not going to be convinced. And and I think a successful salesperson is someone who has the ability to read that and get a sense and and from instinct say. This is going to be a battle to convince this person to buy. I I have limited time and resources. I'm going to spend those time and that time and resource on people who who are more likely buyers. Yeah, and as you talked about or back early on, as you are identifying the people that weren't going to vote for you, the same thing is true in sales. Is instead of thinking about everybody as somebody that you need to qualify, start by disqualifying mm-hmm. prospects I, or potential prospects that, a- are, that are not ever going to be prospects. Get them out of your pipeline. Get them out of your life. Focus on the people that are going to buy. Get them out of your pipeline. I, I'm a big advocate of keeping that pipeline really, really clear. Uh, and and there are people who, uh, you know, they, they someone says, yeah, I'm not ready to buy now. Come back to me in six months. Well, maybe I'll set them aside and reach out to them in six months. Um, but oftentimes, uh, if someone's not going to buy now, I, chances are, in my experience, they're never going to buy. And so I, I'm much more apt to move on and, and fill that pipeline with with people who I know have, have a legitimate interest. Yeah, and a more immediate interest. Okay, good. Well, let's... Move on to the last part of our show here. We're going to ask you some questions, rapid-fire questions. You can give me one-word answers, or you can elaborate a little bit. But you ready? I'm ready. Okay. So what's the most powerful sales tool in your arsenal? My podcast. Uh, I identify people I want to connect with and sell to, and I invite them on my show, and that's how I form my relationship with them, which then can lead to a business opportunity. Name one tool you use for sales or sales management that you can't live without. I use a, a tool called HiRise, which is a product of, uh, of 37 Signals, and it's it's how I manage my opportunities. Okay. Who's your sales role model? Who's my sales role model? Good. That's a, gosh, that's a difficult question um, because there's so many people that I look up to. Uh, and, you know, it's not, it, it's not, it's not someone, it's not a, a, a popular sales. Sure. Uh, Just name, uh, Just name uh, one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've tried. You caught me off guard with this one. Uh, let me think. I I I think my my sales role model in this, and I'll choose. I have several. I'll choose this one because it's kind of apropos for the conversation today. But it's Ronald Reagan, and it's someone who who believed very passionately about about a cause, about a philosophy, mm-hmm. and 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 never wavered from it. And and always had belief and and never had to, and never had to try to explain where he was coming from because he just believed it so to his core, and it made him a very successful politician because you just you always knew where he stood. Well, same thing with a salesman and a product. You right. have to believe in what you're selling, because if you don't, then that's going to shine through and, and and people will not rally behind you. Okay, good answer. What's the one book that every salesperson should read? What's one book that every salesperson should read? Let me think for a minute. Gosh, uh, boy. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh huh. Interesting question. Let me thank God. You know, I'm a big voracious reader, and so I have a, a lot of books that that inform me. There's a there's a book called The Obstacle Is the Way. It's by Ryan Holiday, and it is not a sales book. It's not even, sure. frankly, a business book. But it's a book about how, and it it kind of it kind of speaks to our conversation around objections, because uh, it may even sound contradictory to what we talked about with objections. But the, the 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 goal, the mission of the book is to say, hey, the obstacle is actually where you need to go, because that's the problem you need to solve, and don't be afraid of solving that problem, because if you can, well, then everything everything flows from there. So that's a that's a book that I always recommend to people, and always throws them because well, this isn't a sales book, uh, but well, it's a I, it, it's a it's a book about mindset and and how. To, and how to be fearless and, and to head towards the problem, not, not to run away from them. Well, I think it's a great way to identify your ideal customer. So mm-hmm. there you go. Absolutely. All right. Favorite music to listen to to psych yourself up for a sales call? <laughs> would you believe it? It would be, it would be classic jazz. It would be Miles Davis, Sonny Rollins, John right. Coltrane. Not exactly motivational music, but it puts me into a, a, a mindset of calm and relaxation, which is how I want to approach my my uh, my prospects. I don't ever want to come across as, as needy and desperate. And so jazz is is kind of how I, I, I ground my soul and, and get calm and and my humanity comes out and then I'm really who I am when I'm talking to these prospects. So okay. so jazz is what I listen to. Okay. What's the first sales activity you do every day? First sales activity I do every day, well, uh, this will come as no surprise to you, uh, Andy, but uh, uh, first sales thing I do every day is identify new guests for my show because this is how I prospect. And so I, I do a lot of reading. I follow the news. I pay a lot of attention to to uh, organizations doing interesting things because then that's how I make my connect to a prospect as I say, who here's a company that I can help. They're just talked about something very, very interesting, and so I want to get them on my show to talk about that very thing. Boom! That's how I that's how I form my relationship. So my first uh, goal every day uh, is is to recruit for my radio show because that's how I prospect. What do you do to keep fit and healthy? I I am a distance runner, so I uh, I jog about a five k about every other day. All right. Do you compete? Do I compete in, in races? Yeah. On occasion, on occasion, I I, uh, I enjoy the solitude uh, of running, and so I, I enjoy that that peace and quiet and alone time. It's it's sort of like active uh, meditation, if you will. Mm-hmm. But, uh, so I I uh, the races are are exciting and fun, uh, but I don't I don't compete in many of those anymore. All right. So last question then is the one question you get asked most frequently by salespeople is. How in the heck do you use a podcast for sales? It's it's they it, it, it so many people are so because I'm convinced that every salesperson ought to be ought to be doing something like this. They ought to be creating a podcast. It's so easy. It's so simple. Uh, it's so popular and hot right now. Uh, but the biggest question is how in the heck do uh, they can't get their head around it and don't understand uh, how it just completely changes your approach to sales. And so that's the, the, the that's the biggest question I get. Right. In fact, is you know they could salesperson, you know sales manager, so on. I mean, they could actually do this just starting at a lower level with just like a, a blog, right? And call somebody up, a potential prospect, and say, "How we need to want to interview interview you for our blog." Yeah, it doesn't have to be an audio interview, Andy. Andy you're absolutely right. Uh, uh, I you know I, I think a, a blog, and you reach out to someone and say, "I want to f- showcase you on my blog," and I'll send you a. You can even have a pre-formatted questionnaire. Here's here's the questions that, that I like love for you to answer. And just look, the, the, what's the real secret here? This, the the interview you get isn't 
isn't the magic sauce here, right? The 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 content you create, yeah, while it can be great and utilized and shared, that isn't why you're really doing this. What what you what what you're really doing by inviting someone to participate on some sort of a of an interview, whether it's a written interview, whether it's an, an audio podcast, whether it's a video interview that you would publish on YouTube, uh, the, 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 the real secret here uh, is, is hosting such a vehicle that showcases and shines a light on someone gives you the ability to reach out in a non-threatening way and invite them to participate. That's the secret. That is the secret to have to have a, an, an obvious excuse to call someone and say, hey, I'm fascinated by you and I want to get you on my show. Boom. That, that's so much easier than cold calling someone you don't know and saying, hello, can I get 50 minutes every time so I can I can express to you how I can reduce costs and improve right. efficiencies. It's so much harder. And, and when you invite someone to participate on, on a media program like a podcast, you can do that with people you don't know. Yeah. You can say, I have just been paying attention to and monitoring what you guys are doing and just fascinated. I would love to share your story to, to my audience. That's something that's that's an easy call to make versus your your more traditional, typical cold call sales call. So that's 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 the real power of this whole idea. It, it isn't conducting the interview. Yeah, sure, you get to know someone very that's well. That's making the relationship. It. Absolutely. It's it's but it's the easy way to connect to someone to invite them to participate. That's that's the true secret of this. Great. Great advice for everybody listening. So I want to thank my guest today, Todd Schnick. Todd, how can people learn more about you? They can go to intrepidnow.com. That's the easiest way to find me. All right. It's a great website. A lot of great things going on there. Again, I want to thank Todd again for joining us. And remember, if you want to accelerate your sales and amp up your business, then you need to deliberately learn something new every day that will empower you to achieve your goals. And I think we helped with that today, Todd. So until I next time, so. good selling, everyone. Hi, this is Andy. I have a special offer for loyal listeners of Accelerate. It's a no-obligation, free trial of my zero-time selling, interactive online training. Now, I've worked with thousands of sales reps to teach them how to use my zero-time selling to boost their productivity and transform the results. And so if you want to learn the same proven strategies to help you open more doors, have more effective sales conversations with prospects, and close more orders, then my zero-time selling interactive training system is a fit for you. It's incredibly simple to start. Just take out your smartphone and text the word TRUST, that's T-R-U-S-T, to 96000. Now, do you have your phone ready? You're going to text us, send a text to 96000. That's a nine and a six followed by three zeros. Now, enter the single word message TRUST and hit send, and you hear right back from me with instructions on how to sign up for your free trial on my zero-time selling interactive training. I look forward to seeing you there. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guests, visit my website at andypaul.com.